0: Welcome to the Three Lines of Defence podcast, the show that provides in-depth discussion into the world of audit, compliance and risk. We bring valuable insights, market information and career advice from industry leaders. Here's your host, Mark Enticott. On today's show we have Christoph Roder, who is the APAC Head of Financial Crimes Compliance at Morgan Stanley. Christoph grew up in Switzerland and completed a Masters of Law. He joined UBS in a legal counsel role and then became head of compliance for continental Europe and emerging markets, EMEA, in 2009. In 2011, Christoph became the head of compliance wealth management for the UK and Jersey. In 2014, he moved to Hong Kong as a regional head of financial crime compliance, APAC. And in 2017, Christoph joined Morgan Stanley in his current role. Christoph, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Mark. Good talking to you, and thanks for giving me the opportunity.
0: You're very welcome, thank you for joining. I'd like to start off a little bit with your early life. Can you share more about where you grew up?
1: Yeah, sure. As you said, I was born in Switzerland. I grew up in a small town about 25 kilometers away from Zurich. I went to local schools. I did my national service in the Swiss Army as a main battle tank commander. I then graduated from Zurich University with a law degree and soon after that I was admitted to the Zurich Bar after having passed what I still think was one of the toughest exams I ever had to go through in my life.
0: And then you joined UBS in a legal role, is that right?
1: Yes, so not not directly Mark. I think my, my professional career actually started in public service as a court clerk. I moved up the ranks relatively quickly and eventually got appointed as a judge. I worked on a variety of civil and criminal cases and I learned a lot during those years. That included the application of law, obviously, but also how to structure and negotiate settlements and above all, how to make decisions. Um, and when you have cases in a court context, you can't escalate them, and you cannot delegate them. You have to make a decision in every case. And then in 2002, I moved to private to the private sector, um, and I joined the legal department in UPS's investment bank in Switzerland. After three years, I got offered an opportunity to move to London, and that was a big deal for me at the time, because up to this point, I had only lived about 10 kilometers away from where I grew up. Um, And, you know, as things happened, what was initially planned for about one year turned into nine years. I held a variety of roles in legal and eventually moved to compliance into the regional role that you mentioned just a minute ago. It was a regional role across Europe, Middle East and Africa. And it was actually a great preparation for what I do now, working with people from countries and cultures as diverse As Spain and Russia, South Africa and Turkey, Germany and Dubai, was a significant learning experience. Then my final move in London made me the head of compliance. And then shortly after, the general counsel for UBS's wealth management business in the UK, which, by the way, is still one of my all time favorite roles for its variety and proximity to the business. In 2014, I was offered a transfer to Hong Kong. And I took on a big role, which included financial crime compliance for APAC. And then after 15 and a half years, in 2017, I decided to leave UBS and join Morgan Stanley in the same role as APAC Head of Financial Crime Compliance. And that's where I'm still today.
0: So, Christoph, what made you develop your career within compliance and FCC when you originally had come from a legal background?
1: Yeah, good question, Mark. I think it was a little bit of a coincidence and um, just a matter of an opportunity that presented itself. Um this the EMEA role in compliance was my first. It was actually quite close to the legal role in so many ways. And I then kind of stuck with it. Um I like compliance, even as a lawyer. Um it's it's a role which is closer to the business in my view. Um you've got to live with the consequences of all of your action, which Suits me well, and I have always found the the topics and the regulations and the regulatory work to be very interesting indeed. Um, F.C.C. sort of similar, and I had it covered as a head of compliance and general counsel a little bit, but then I went into it um um, wholesale when I moved to Hong Kong. And again, I think financial crimes compliance is a great. Uh, mix of legal and compliance. um, And I think it's the function in compliance that lends itself quite well for uh, people with legal backgrounds.
0: And it's a common trend we see across the market is, you know, people have gone from a legal background into compliance. So with your career, was there a particular person or people that were a key mentor to you? And, And how do you feel that they developed your career and leadership style?
1: Yeah, it's two people that come to mind. So the first, when I first joined the financial industry, there was a a, a, a seasoned business guy um, who looked after me a little bit as a mentor. He taught me much about equities and commodities derivatives, and he told me plenty of war stories from the old days. He certainly made my transition from public service to the financial industry much easier. After that... For many, many years, there was one person in particular who played a key role in my personal career development. He not only gave me invaluable career advice, but also was constantly looking for new opportunities for me. He encouraged me to take the plunge and try new things again and again. And I'm happy to say that we're still good friends.
0: And has there been a significant turning point in your career when you look back on your career? Has there been something that you look at now and think that that was a really key highlight and turning point?
1: Yeah, I think I probably covered all, um, some of them already. But what I, if if I had to kind of uh, pull out one, it's the international relocations. Um, the opportunity to work in a variety of different environments and in roles across legal and compliance suited so me as a generalist in nature or by nature very well indeed. It wasn't always easy, I should add. And, you know, sometimes when people ask me today, where is home? I don't really have a good answer. But overall, that has been an amazing experience.
0: And obviously, as you just mentioned, there's been significant challenges in your career. Again, has there been a particular one component of your career that was a significant challenge and what was it and and how did you overcome that?
1: Yeah, that's an easy question because I remember well how I felt at the time. So when I first moved to Hong Kong, I actually covered three roles in one. And I managed about 120 people, which was roughly about a third of the entire compliance department that we had in the region at the time. So FCC, Financial Crimes Compliance, was just one of them. 2014-15 were, as many will remember, crazy years in Hong Kong and Singapore. Business was booming. A war for talent was raging, and there was relentless regulatory pressure. And after about 12 months in a job, I knew I was going to miss something important, or worse, burnout. I spoke to my line manager and asked for my remit to be reduced to just financial crimes compliance, which by then had grown exponentially as a function. That wasn't an easy conversation, I I have to say, because normally everyone is, of course, keen to expand, uh, not to reduce their portfolio, but my boss took it well and agreed to the refocusing of my role. And to this day, I'm glad I had the courage and confidence to take this step and have that conversation.
0: So with the extensive amount of hiring that you've done over the years and you've managed significant size teams, as you just mentioned, what are the characteristics that you look for when you're hiring new people? without getting too, giving too much away,
1: Christoph, <laughs> <laughs> It depends, of course. It depends a little bit on the level and the role. Um, generally speaking, I look for people who fit well into the team and at the same time will make it more diverse. My view is that experience is somewhat overrated, so I value talent and potential first and foremost. I also generally react very well to good communication skills.
0: And when you look at the key attributes of an effective team leader, what do you think they are?
1: Uh, well, again, I think many books have been written about this, but maybe just a little bit of a personal view on this. I firmly believe that you have to want to lead and manage people in order to be good at it. Um, you've got to be passionate about people management and you cannot just see it as a byproduct of career progression. In my view... managers understand that they perform and succeed through their teams and not just as individuals. I'd like to think that as a manager, I am very approachable and accessible for everyone in the team, no matter how junior or senior someone is. And if there is one key element of my leadership style that really has struck me as successful, it's the combination of empowerment and accountability. It has worked wonders for me and for the people in my teams. It really motivates people at all levels, and it makes them feel proud of their work product.
0: And in any lead key leadership role, there's obviously stakeholder management. What do you feel are the important elements of stakeholder management?
1: Everyone uh, would like to be the trusted advisor to their senior management. That includes me, of course. And everyone probably has it in their goals and objectives. And it's been a particular challenge over the last few months, given everyone was working from home and face-to-face visits and meetings were very, very rare. Um, Compliance is a control function, so we can't be loved by everyone. Um, Our mantra is to trust and verify, and sometimes we have to be able to say no. Um, But that doesn't mean that we can't be good stakeholder managers. I think the attributes to this are respect, competence, consistency and an ability to make decisions based on incomplete facts. My stakeholders want to know that I take them seriously and they want me to apply the right balance between risk and commerciality.
0: And if you were going to restart your career now, what would be one piece of advice you would give to a younger version of yourself?
1: Well, I may have three pieces of advice. I think that's good. One is remain intellectually curious your whole life. Again, that's one thing that I look for when I hire and promote people. Second one that comes to mind is language skills. Well, I could have I could have done a little bit more in that regard, even though I come from continental Europe where everyone has several languages anyway. Um, and then the third one is understand technology and data, which is becoming ever more important. And we've heard this in a few other podcasts already. Um, understand big data and how to mine it and maybe have some rudimentary skills in, uh, in in writing code.
0: So when you look into the future for the area that you cover off, what do you see as the key issues for FCC over you know the next sort of few years?
1: Yeah, that's something I feel quite passionate about, really, because over the years, and despite billions of dollars of investments into our AML programs, the amount of money being laundered through the global systems remains staggeringly high. And therefore, I think it must be our ambition to make a much bigger dent in the criminals' P&L and to make financial crime a less lucrative business. We need better and easier ways to share information with each other and with law enforcement agencies, both domestically and internationally. We have seen a few public-private partnerships, which have been a success, and I think we need more of them. And then, of course, there is the vast potential that comes with the sophisticated data analytics and artificial intelligence. Boss words, really, but on the other hand, we do have to to move away from our old threshold and scenario-based surveillance models. And finally, again, personal message, I think we need to preserve common sense. The most complete client profile doesn't mean anything if people don't ask the so-what question. I think there is a big risk that with all the KYC automation and operationalization that we see in the market, we lose the ability to see the wood for the trees. We need to keep our programs meaningful and effective and remind ourselves again and again while we're doing this, which is to play an important role in preventing some of the most hideous product defenses happening in the world.
0: And how do you, how do you get that global cooperation? I, I would assume data privacy and all of that is a significant roadblock. Do you have any thoughts around how do you get that global cooperation going between law enforcement regulators globally?
1: Well, we did it in tax. Mm. Uh, we have data exchange in, in tax matters these days and that was quite quick uh, and everyone was on board. We need something similar, I think, for financial crime related data exchange. Many global organisations are pushing for this, but as you say, Mark, the data protection and data privacy considerations Stand in the way, sometimes rightly so. And obviously, they have their own area of protection and validity. But at the same time, they should not make it easier for criminals to pursue their own business.
0: And you mentioned before one piece of advice was looking at the impact of technology. What do you see as the impact of technology on FCC going forward?
1: I think we need to get a lot smarter with not just throwing lots of people at. Relatively mundane processes, but using machines, using artificial intelligence, to ensure that our people can actually do the high-value work. Um, we, every one of us, all our all, all big firms now have large teams, mostly based offshore, looking at huge amounts of um, uh, alerts that our screening systems produce. And we actually have a very small percentage of these alerts um, that turn into, uh, let's say, uh, suspicious transaction reports. So there I see a massive potential for technology to kick in. I also see technology um, assisting the onboarding of customers, particularly in the retail and uh, corporate space, uh, where lots of clients from the same jurisdiction get onboarded or want to open accounts with a bank.
0: When you look at your role as uh, a senior leader, how have you gone about managing the high level of stress and work pressure that comes with a senior leadership role?
1: Yeah, everyone is a bit different. So what I do is I I block out time in my diary. Um, I I try actually to keep one day per week free of non-urgent meetings and calls. So that's usually my Fridays. Um, So I can get on with some uh, some work that I had to push back and delay throughout the week. And when I leave the office, which can be late, I'm done. Um, So I try not to take work home. And I usually don't check for emails until the next morning. Um, I delegate. Um, It benefits me and my direct reports because they have uh, more substance and a more interesting um, portfolio of work themselves. And I proactively manage expectations with my stakeholders. So if I know that something is going to be late, I do let them know in order to avoid surprises.
0: Yeah, very important. What about your passions outside of work?
1: Uh, I love hiking. Um, It keeps me sane, simply put. Um, Hong Kong is a great place for year-round hiking. I've also taken up trail running um, since I moved to Hong Kong and actually last year. I did my very first 50-kilometre trail run, which I'm uh, particularly proud of, I should say. Um, I also like to travel, um, preferably to places where there is great outdoors. Australia, New Zealand, and the southwest of the United States of America come to mind.
0: 50 kilometres is a long way, Christoph. That's very impressive.
1: (laughs) Yes, Mark. I know I'm not the only one here. No,
0: no, I I think I only do marathons. So uh, anything beyond forty-two, and I'm uh, not interested. So um, that's why I say fifty is very impressive. So and trail running as well is quite difficult in that you've um, I'd imagine you've really got to be constantly watching where you're stepping all the time, which is different to running on a road. So, um, Christoph, look, thank you so much for the fantastic insight into your career journey, uh, leadership mentoring and also sharing your thoughts around some of the key issues for FCC going forward. Really appreciate your time
1: today. Thank you, Mark. You're most welcome. Thank you for the conversation.
0: Thanks for listening to the show. We encourage you to subscribe and feel free to share, rate us and leave a review. If there's anything you'd specifically like us to cover, email us at markenticott at bowenpartners.com. Thank you.